Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Many people watch our services live as well as the replays throughout the week, and it means the world to us that you would take time out of your day and do that. But I do want to extend an invitation on behalf of my family, myself, and everybody here. If you're ever in College Station, Texas, come out to a New Heights Church service live. I promise we'll make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. All right, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. If you don't know where 2 Corinthians is in your Bible, it's easy to find. It's right after 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Start around verse 14, but I'm in the middle of a series right now called Touch Life. Everybody say, Touch Life. I say that because life has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, when you touch Jesus, you literally touch life itself. When you touch Jesus, you touch the route, the avenue. He said, I am the way. In other words, there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to the father other than through the son. So you must be in Christ to access the kingdom of God, to access heaven. But he said, I'm the way, the truth, and I am the life. And the Bible says that whenever we can get close to Jesus or whenever we draw near to Jesus, he literally draws near to us. But here's the beauty of what Christ has done for you and for me. Number one, he's paid it all. That means you don't have to pay your own debt when it comes to your sins, your shortcomings, all the different things that you've done wrong that have plagued you your whole life. The iniquitous traits, that literally means those things that you're prone to do that somebody else might not be prone to do. He has paid the price for that. And he has called you, listen to this, it's beautiful. He's called you holy. Everybody say holy. When you say holy, what you actually just said is separate. That's what holy means from a biblical definition. It does not mean necessarily that you've never missed the mark. It means that you're separated. You are separate. An example would be like this. In my home, if you came to my home and you stole something out of my home, you don't get to come to my home anymore. Does that make sense? But if one of my kids, and they've never done this, but if one of my kids were to take a cookie out of the cookie jar when, when they were told not to, when they were told that they couldn't, I would not throw them out of my home because they are born into my house. That would be an opportunity for instruction, not expulsion. Does this make sense? So my children are separate from the world. Because they are born in my house. All of us, the Bible says, are born into sin. But then when you become a believer, you are born again into the family of Almighty God. Somebody ought to give God a hand of praise right there and just thank him. I'm in the family of God. Can you believe we're in the family of God? We get to go to heaven. And when we get there, you're going to walk up and Jesus is going to know you. 
And you're going to know him. And he's going to say, I've been, I'm so glad you're here. And you're going to say, I'm so glad I am here. And it's going to be beautiful, but it's not because you never miss the mark. It's because you are holy. Because he said you're holy. My children didn't get to change their name. Because I made them. I named them. God made you. And whenever you are born again, he calls you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because you've never missed the mark, but because you're holy, because you are separate. In other words, when you say holy or you hear holy, it doesn't mean statues and stained glass. God bless statues and stained glass. But it does not mean that. The, the, this picture of, of what holy means does not mean the right uh, uh, robe or the right uh, uh, even mentality. It literally means just separate, just not of the same batch. not of the. So when you get into Jesus Christ, you are no longer in the same batch. So whenever you miss the mark, that is the perfect time to run to him, not to run from him, because he is literally trying to tell Hey, hey, listen, dust yourself off. I'm dusting you off. He said, I put your sins as far as the east is from the west from you. But I want you to know you are not going through. The condemnation that should come to you is not coming on you. I have borne all of it on the cross of Calvary. And you can move forward in this thing, not because of what you've done, but because I said you're holy. It's a different thing when you begin to understand what holiness really means from a biblical perspective. But I, I want to give just a, a brief recap from last week, and then we're going to get into just a little bit of new data as we're talking about touching life. But w- as a recap, I want you to know this. Culture is undefeated. Your experience will not trump your culture. If you have a magnanimous experience with God, But your culture doesn't change. Your culture will choke the life out of the encounter you had with God. Because culture is the gravitational pull in your life that is either pulling you back to what you used to be or pulling you forward to what God would have you to become. Culture is undefeated. Culture is, is something that must be changed to actually live a God-centered life on planet Earth. And the reality of culture is he said, when you pray, pray this way. Pray that the kingdom of heaven would actually come to earth. In other words, what I think you should pray for, says Jesus, is that the culture of the kingdom of heaven would actually become your culture here. Let me just give you some examples of culture because we're all a product of culture, whether we'd like to admit it or not. You can't stay around the same people and not act like it's not affecting you. So maybe your culture, maybe you grew up in a great culture, maybe you grew up in, a, in an okay culture, maybe you grew up in a negative culture, but, but let me just give you an example of, of how powerful culture is. You may come in a culture where everybody around you is prone to being offended. Everybody's like, eyes straightforward. They're like, oh my God, did he just say that? 
Let's just talk for a minute. It's Sunday morning. It's just us. Praise the Lord. You may come from a culture that's prone to being offended. Let me give you some clues on how you know you're from a culture that's prone to being offended. If it takes you 10 minutes to tell a story about a 30-second encounter at Wendy's, you might be prone to being offended. And then they told me that the the napkins are over there and I saw some napkins. They could have handed me the napkins. They're getting paid to get the napkins. I paid for the cheeseburger and instead of them just handing me the napkins, I had to walk seven and a half feet and go grab my own napkin. I can't believe all of Wendy's is against me. I've now, uh, I've, I've tagged Wendy's on a Facebook post and told them they need to reconsider who they hire. I tried to talk to the manager about the whole napkin situation and it was just crazy. And the napkin situation took 14 seconds. But you spend 10 minutes talking about it. And here's how you know that's your culture of your household. When you're telling somebody or you pick the phone up and you call the one person that you know in your life that's going to agree with you and is going to want to go down to Wendy's and wag their finger in their face. Now, why didn't you get my sister those napkins? You should have got those napkins. I don't know what's wrong with you. Get those napkins. Ah! You're from a culture of offense. You got to change. You gotta change. If, if you wanna see God move in your life, you have to change. If you walk in your house or you go, and here, here's the God bless all family reunions, God bless all family get togethers. But if you go to your family get together and you got people sitting all around the living room and the first one goes, oh man, what is it? You know, my, my knee's really been giving me fits. And you know, I tell you what, it just, ever since I had that football injury in 1901, it was just, I would have gone pro if I hadn't had that, that, uh, some kind of CL. It was, you know, I knew what it was. I didn't go to the doctor, but anyway, it blew out, blew my knee out. I would have, I would have been drafted, no doubt about it, but uh, it blew the thing out. It's just been acting up crazy. And then next, next, right down, you know, my knee too. And I tell you, well, not just my knee, my lower back. I tell you what, I, I just, every time I get out of bed, you know, I got, I got to stretch a little bit. In other words, you're human. And then, uh, after my leg, then next person rolled around, you know what? My knee and my back and my, it's almost like everybody's trying to one up everybody's pain. You get around the room and there's a little six year old playing with Legos on the floor and all of a sudden they get up and they say, I tell you what, Paul, Paul, my knee's been giving me fits too. I, I don't even know what's going on here. That's culture. And let me tell you something. Joseph, when you decide to break out of culture, and wear the coat of many colors anyway that nobody understands. And everybody's complaining about the knee, the ankle, the back, the earlobe, the left eye socket, the eyebrow, the, the, the left nostril. Not the outside part, the inside part of the left nostril. You get the signal. Finally, it gets to you. Say, well, what's hurting on you? Nothing. I'm blessed in my coming in and blessed in my going out. Now, that doesn't mean that you didn't wake up and your knee was sore. It just means that you're calling things that are not as if they already were because your culture has been adjusted. 
Some of us need a culture shock. Some of us need our culture just, just changed. Everybody just lift your hands like this and just say, change me. He'll do it. You better be careful. He'll do it. And I'm going to tell you the, one of the, one of the quickest ways that you know he wants to change you. Things that didn't used to bother you. Now you start going, why are they always complaining? And then you hear yourself and you're like, whoa, why am I always complaining? It's because your culture hasn't been changed. But Jesus knew this was important. That's why the first thing he built in his ministry, listen to this, was a life group. Because he knew the old culture, the old culture of religion would not handle the love he was about to pour out. Because religion destroys agape. And agape is unrestricted, unfettered love that doesn't ask for anything in in return for it. And religion chokes it. Because religion wants to clean you up and then you can serve God. But Jesus says, if you just come to me, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just turn from your old life and rush towards this life, I will call you holy and I will help work on you until you actually see me face to face. That's what love does. But it requires a culture change. See, before the culture was this, hey, keep all the children away from Jesus. But Jesus said, are you nuts? Bring these kids close to me. And oh, by the way, if you, if you offend a child, it would be better for you to be drowned than to deal with me. Because his culture is different than the world. It is counter to the world. It is different than the world. So you and me have to change our culture. And that's what the life groups here at New Heights Church do to help change culture. Because just like Jesus, he went and he didn't get the same kind of person to join his life group. He got people from different walks of life. In this church service right now, there's people of of, of nearly every color of the rainbow sitting in here. People with different economic situations, people with different backgrounds, people with different ages, people at different ages, people with different seasons of life. Some of you are in college. Some of you didn't go to college. Some of you are, 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 are business owners. Some of you are employees. Some of you are managers. Some of you are just getting started in the workforce. Some of you are retired. Some of you are raising babies. Some of you are, are raising uh, your grandkids. Some of you love uh, uh, going on, on trips with your grandkids. Some of you are going, I don't know why my grandkids come over so much. Somebody just literally clapped. They were like, that preacher knows what he's talking about. I tell you what, that's prophetic right there. Glory to God. But it's a, it's a different kaleidoscope of people in this room as well as in our life groups. And here's the thing. Here's the beauty of it. We don't all have the same last name. We don't all have the same earthly parents. And what ties us together is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what your life group does, and next week is Life Group Sunday right here at New Heights Church. 
where we're launching our life groups into the fall. And it's going to be not just phenomenal in the life groups. We're also going to have monthly intensives right here on campus. And this falls intensive is going to be all about godly finances. How to get out of debt and stay out of debt. How maybe you've never bought a house, how to buy a house, how to become the lender and not the borrower, how to tell your crazy cousin who's been asking you for money every year for your whole life. No. Some of y'all are like, I think I might be the crazy cousin. How to tell somebody no that's asking you to cosign. How to become an investor. Maybe some of you are, have already bought homes and all those things. How to buy a business. How to become an entrepreneur. How to go, how to go back to school and pay for it in less than 30 years. How to, how to see God's hand move in your finances. What does God really say about how to handle money? We're going to go over some of these things. And it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're young, if you're old. God always has another level for you. Not just in your finances, but also in your finances. Give God a big hand of praise. It's going to be a powerful intensive. But our life groups, it's something we do on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. See, everything you pursue, just about everything you pursue, you will acquire. Whatever you pursue, you will acquire. And let me just say this. We're all busy. Nobody has time for life groups. You have to make time. And the reason you make time is because what you pursue, you will acquire. And whatever your culture is, you have the opportunity to change it because you didn't get to pick the culture you were born in, but you do get to choose the culture you keep. And when you decide, you know what? Hey, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday morning, whatever it is, that's life group. I'm going to go. What's going to happen is you're going to find your culture beginning to shift because you're going to be around people that don't just talk about Jesus at church. They actually talk about him all the time. And you're going to find out some of your own doubts and insecurities are not unique to you. And that's one of the most eye-opening things on the planet. Because what the devil wants more than anything is to isolate you. Because when you're isolated, you begin to think that you're the only one feeling it. When the truth is, we all go through the fire. And if God is allowing you to go through the fire, if you'll look beside you, you'll find out he's there too. See, you have to change your culture. Jesus knew the old culture walking around would not be able to handle the kind of love that he was about to pour out. So he spent three years changing their culture. He spent three years changing. They said, they said, what? They said, we owe some taxes in this city. Jesus said, pay them. Because some of y'all were like, wait a minute, <laughs> pay taxes. Hold on, pay them. Your culture 
in the kingdom, the kingdom culture that you're supposed to be in is one of integrity. Where you actually say a thing and then oddly enough, you do it. That's what a believer does. And this is the culture of the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad that God does what he says? So when you make a deal, keep it. You tell your boss you're going to be there, be there. You tell your employees you're going to be there, be there. And if you can't, it's 2019. Send them a text. Call somebody. But communicate. Because communication is one of the primary facets of the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember what Jesus said? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Communication with God should never stop. And communication is one of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And when you can get the culture of communication in your home, your kids don't get 18 miles away before you actually realize they've left. Because you are communicating the whole time. You say more than three words to your wife on a given day. Well, I don't have that much to talk about. All you got to do, sir, is this. Tell me about your day. (laughs) And then just sit back. Grab you some popcorn. Come on, somebody. But you communicate. You, you, you. You end up, you end up sharing. And what happens in, in our life groups is really simple. You start seeing that other people can trust Jesus too. And when you find out how faithful he is, you realize, hey, if he'll do it for them, he'll do it for me. Give God a big hand of praise. All right. Culture is undefeated. Culture is the gravity that pulls you back. Second Corinthians 6 and 14 says this. This is the new stuff. Just, just a few minutes of new information. I wish I had an hour on the first four words of this verse. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If I had a nickel for every time... I saw somebody dragged back to their old life because of who they are yoked together with. I would have a stack of nickels as tall as the Empire State Building. You cannot become all that God has called you to be, tying yourself to people that do not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're not throwing them away. We're not talking about evangelism right now. We're not excluding them from Jesus. We're not nothing. We're not saying they're less than none of those things. But when it comes to being tied together with unbelievers, it would be like asking somebody how to say restaurant in Spanish that doesn't speak Spanish. It would be like asking somebody how to say table in Russian that doesn't speak Russian. When you are sharing the innermost parts of your heart or the trials that you're going through with somebody that does not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you are literally talking to somebody that does not even speak your language. So your life groups give you the opportunity to share with people 
that already have verified that they actually trust Jesus as well. Therefore, now all of a sudden, because you have congruence in your belief system, it makes sense to be yoked or partnered together in faith because one puts a thousand to flight, but two puts 10,000 to flight. But when you're sharing all of your your heart and your life with people that don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're talking to people that don't believe in the medicine that will actually heal you. So it changes your perspective, but your culture has to change. And again, that doesn't mean, you know, forever, but sometimes you are literally going to have to separate from some people for a season. I'm going to get down here because I don't want to. Make this at anybody or, 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 but, but, but this is the type of stuff right here that will change your whole life. When, when you begin to say, you know what? I'm just not going to be around that because faith comes by, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The devil is very cunning. He knows that faith comes when you hear the word of God. The problem is doubt comes when you hear contrary to the word of God. So when you're around people that are constantly spitting doubt, well, if you believe that kind of stuff, I don't know why you're always at church. I don't know why you're always talking about Jesus. I don't know why you're always whatever. Doubt comes by hearing the opposite of the word. So when you're sitting there hearing nothing but doubt, 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 it's like you're being doused with doubt all the time because your culture is the the culture of the people you're around is a culture of doubt, offense, frustration. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's trying to step on my neck. I'll never get by. We'll never have enough. I'll never be able to retire. We'll never pay this house off. We'll never, 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 never. And before you know it, that stuff starts sinking into your heart and the seed of doubt begins to sprout. And before you know it, you're dealing with an entire forest of doubt that was planted by the culture that you have lived your life around because we are partnered together with unbelievers. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but don't mishear me and say, I'm saying go live on an island because here's the other side of it. You're the salt of the earth. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In other words, he didn't say he so loved the church. He said he so loved the world that the world might, that those in the world would believe on him and actually become the church. But he couldn't even describe how much he loved them. He couldn't come up with an adjective or an adverb that would accurately describe how much he actually loves the world. So he just said, I so love the world. You ever had a good steak? All you vegans out there, you ever had a good eggplant? I don't know. The answer is no. There's no, there, there are no good eggplants. But you ever had a good, good meal? Take a bite of it. And you're just like, and you're just like, how good is it? Like, oh, it's so good. That's what he said. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the reason he did that is so the world could become a part of the church. But you are the salt of the earth. And if all we ever do is be around other Christians, all we're doing is salting the salt. So I'm not talking about isolationist living. Is everybody okay with that? Just just nod your head if you're okay with that. I'm not talking about isolationist living. But I am talking about the culture that you are constantly putting yourself in. I am talking about what you have yourself around on a regular basis. Because if you say, if you keep yourself partnered with unbelievers, 
you're literally running in two different directions. Literally. So the scripture says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Communion have with light and darkness. Darkness has never argued with light when the switch was turned on. Because wherever light goes, darkness has to flee. So it changes things. That's why a lot of times culturally, if you just look at it, potheads hang out with potheads. Because they want to be around people that make what they do feel better. They want to be around the same people doing the same jump because when light walks in, now darkness is very intimidated and must flee. And I'm not talking about like arrogant light, like, ooh, what is that? Did I smell? (laughs) But I am talking about when when we placate our own sin by being around people that are involved in the same nonsense. Now, culturally, we're never challenged, so we never change. And then we wake up six years later drinking the same beer, sitting on the same porch, telling the same stupid stories. The only thing different is the dog's fatter. (laughs) Because we never changed. Because culture is undefeated. Culture will drag you back. Culture drags you back. The problem is, look, a lot of times it doesn't let you go easy. A lot of times you're going to take a step in the right direction and you're going to have about 18 reasons why you can't make it to life group. But what you need to know is so does everybody else who actually went. Everybody is busy. I was on the phone this week. Somebody I was dealing with a business deal and they were like, oh, we've just been really busy. And this is like the 15th phone call. And I finally said, every time you say that, it's an indication that I'm not. Because I've had to call you 15 times for what you said you were going to do. I said, now I have nothing but respect for you. But stop insinuating that your busyness is excusing you not doing what you said you would do. And I have already paid for Some of y'all were like, wait a minute. I got some people I'd like you to call for me. No, I'm not, not doing it. But at the end of it, your culture pulls you back or pushes you forward. It, it, go to verse 16. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. Somebody say, that's me. Would you go spray paint all the walls in heaven? Would you go kick the walls down in heaven? Would you go complain about the walls of heaven? The Bible says you are the temple of almighty God. That means he's living inside of you. Which means the only Jesus people might get an opportunity to run into is Jesus on the inside of you. So if your culture is the same as their culture, at work, when, when, when word starts getting out that, hey, we might have some layoffs coming up, 
And everybody says, it's probably going to be me. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I got 18 kids. It's going to be terrible. Ah. And right down the line, everybody says the same thing. And then you just say the same thing. How will they know you're any different? If your culture is the same as the culture that you come from. Because when you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says you are in the world, but you're no longer of the world. God says, I dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17. Wherefore, this is the the verse I wanted to get to. Everybody say touch life. life. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. What does holy mean? Be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. Next verse, please. Listen to this. And I will be your dad. Some of you might not have a dad. Some of you, your dad may have left. Some of you, your dad may have have left when you were a kid or maybe left later or maybe your dad's already passed on. I will be your dad and you shall be my sons and daughters. Says the Lord Almighty. Can, can you feel the gravity of that? Because God is God. He could have said anything. He could have said, now you're my slave. He could have said, now you're a robot. He could have said, now I'm going to kill you. He's God. A lot of times we act like God works for us. He could have said anything. But he said, when you decide to join my culture, when you come out from among them, did you know Sin was why Jesus died. Sin is the reason he died. And when we play with it, we're playing with what he died for. It's like he pulled us out of the mud and we dive back in it. One translation says, if we don't stop and we keep returning to it, we are trampling the blood of Jesus under our feet. Cross, Jesus, bleeding, dying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Into your hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. He's done. And you walk over and stomp in the blood that he shed for you. Walk over to the post he was tied to when they beat him. And go over and just begin to stomp in the blood that he shed for you. 
I know this is heavy. I get it. But he died to give you a new culture. To take you out of the old and put you into the new. He died to set your feet on a solid rock. And part of it, we're not talking about evangelism now. I know everybody's on the same page. I'm just repeating it because a lot of times people watch segments of our sermons and then they like email and stuff. I'm not talking about evangelism. I'm not talking about living on an island. I'm not talking about never talking to people that aren't Christian. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But he did say, come out. Come out from among them and be separate. Come out. He said, you do that. I'll be the father you always wanted. And I'll call you my son. And I'll call you my daughter. But it's going to take a culture shift. It's going to take change. It's going to take a change. Three words Jesus said when he was on the cross. Put the ball in our court. He said, it is finished. He did what he was going to do. Now we change on purpose. Because if you don't, you could have a burning bush experience with God and your culture will drag you back. You won't even recognize it at first. But it'll drag you back. Because Christianity is actually an exchange of your whole life for his life. I was talking with somebody I love recently and I told him, I said, I, it would be impossible for me to not serve God now. Impossible. He has done too much. He has encountered me too many times. I've never felt love at the level that Jesus pours it out. And I live my life, I'll tell you how my life feels. Feels like I'm falling all the time into this amazing cavern of love. And it's not like a fear of falling or anything like that, but it's like I keep realizing there is no bottom. There's no depth in love. And when you change your culture, some of you, some of you, you grew up around people that talked about different races adversely. And it just became a part of your, your, your mindset. You have to change that. And it might mean not being around those people unless you're talking about the weather. There are people in your life that you can talk about 
things at this level and there's people at your life you can talk about things at this level and there's people in your life you can talk about things at this level and you better figure out who's who. Because if you go throwing your valuables, your pearls in front of a bunch of pigs, the pig will stomp on the pearl because it doesn't even recognize the value. But the truth is, you put the pearl down. A pig's just a pig. I said, well, they just stomped on my heart. You put it in front of them. Well, I don't have anybody I can share with. We have life groups all over this city. All over Bryan, all over College Station, all over the county. So that you can come out. My God, come out. Stop living like a caterpillar when he called you to fly. Stop staying buried in the mud when he said, mount up with wings like eagles. Stop being choked by doubt and unbelief because you keep surrounding yourself by it. And say, so, well, it's my home. It's everybody that I know and I'm too young. And let me tell you something. You can build your faith. You can read that Bible. You can listen to preaching. You can listen to worship. You can do all those things because your atmosphere is contingent upon what you are receiving. But you got to come out. I hear this in my spirit so strong. Lazarus! Come forth. Get those grave clothes off of him. See, it's a shift when your whole culture changes. I've known people, their physical countenance changes when their culture changes. I've prayed for people. And within five minutes, they look like a new human being. Because everything changes when you touch life. But you have to change your culture. Because if you don't change your culture, you'll get sucked right back. You'll get sucked right back. Everything will just pull you right back and you'll you'll try to figure out what happened. You don't change your mindset. You'll get sucked right back, Judas. You'll think everybody's out to get you. One of Judas Iscariot's biggest mistake, one of them, was feeling like he knew better than everybody around him. Don't look around. I saw a lot of elbows. 
Well, I'll tell you what they need to do. If you're saying that 10 times a day, let's get it down to about three. I'll tell you what they need to do. Number one, you don't know how they got there. I'll tell you what their problem is. You don't know what they woke up with. I'll tell you, 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 I'll tell you. Before you know it, you start drinking your own Kool-Aid. Now you can't be told anything. Because your culture trumps it all. You start walking around like you're like it's your responsibility to fix everybody. Even businesses. I'll tell you what their problem is. You know why I don't like that place? No, tell us, please. We're dying to know why you don't like that place also. Please let us know. Please. That gave me sweet tea. Ash run sweet tea. <gasps> Are you serious? It's a ship. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.